This is Pet Life Radio. Let's talk pets. And welcome, welcome. You're here live with Dr. Jeff Werber here. Your host for the next 30 minutes are on Pet Life Radio's Ask the Best with Dr. Jeff. We are here for you. We want to hear from you. We uh, can answer any questions you may have. I'm sure now with this COVID-19, you are not rushing to get into a car and go anywhere, let alone to your veterinary hospital. So now is your chance to get that advice. Talk to me about your problems, whatever the case may be. I have been inundated. Uh, As many of you know, I have my AirVet telemedicine app and getting calls literally around the clock. I'm, I'm getting 25 to 30 calls a day. It's crazy. So um, give a call. You can reach me here at 877-385-8882. Once again, 877-385-8882. Or the better way, now we are here on Zoom, and Zoom is great. So um, just go on to PetLifeRadio.com, click on Shows, scroll down. You'll see Ask the Vets with Dr. Jeff. Click on it, opens it up, and you will see a fairly long link left to you by Mark our producer that will send you directly to join us here live on Zoom. And we can not only talk to you live, but we can see your pet, which is basically telemedicine. So uh, if you get used to doing this, you'll have no problem when your doctors start, start using a telemedicine platform, you can actually go on and use it. You'll be, you'll be pros. Um, and if your doctors aren't using a telemedicine platform, you can download AirVet either on Google Play or the App Store. And when it asks for your primary hospital, just put in Jeff's, J-E-F-F apostrophe S, telehospital. And for telemedicine, since your hospital isn't using it, then I can be your primary doc. And um, that will help you through any problems you may have and give you good advice. Hopefully good advice. I don't like giving bad advice, but sometimes I do. But good advice. Give us a call. Join us here live on Zoom. That is the best way to uh, take advantage of me being here with you on these Sunday mornings. So there was a story that ran a couple of weeks ago, and I wanted to share it with you. I was hoping to get one of my classmates on as a guest who is a big time horse doctor and horse trainer. But because of, as one can imagine, with what's progressing with the whole craziness with the Santa Anita track here in Los Angeles and the multiple deaths or horses having to be put to sleep, it's turning out to be kind of human error. Wouldn't you know it? And um, so, and again, that would, to me was, it had to be, I mean, they were testing the track. Why is it only this one track? I mean, it just didn't make sense. So you're thinking either the people involved or the track itself. And all they had the experts come out and check out the track. It was not the track. So it had to be, uh-oh, everybody else involved, the people. So basically all but two of the 23 horses that died at Santa Anita over a three-month period appear to have had pre-existing injuries caused by high-intensity training and racing prior to the catastrophic injury during the race or during the training session of the fetlock, and that's part of the foot. Now, many of them, these horses, before testing, before being approved to run, have been given certain anti-inflammatory meds that compromise these pre-race exams. So basically, they were masking the problems And uh, that was the issue. So it's been a real, real problem. The other thing that is a concern is that when, so what happened was they could have regulated this 
and basically stopped it from right away from happening. So that is really, really the biggest problem. So it was human error after all, which is so sad. So unfortunately, my classmate has been very involved in this because obviously it's turning into a legal issue and he is being called in as the expert or one of the experts. And therefore, he said, Jeff, I'd love to be on the show. I'd love to help you. But right now with what's going on, it would not be wise. So um, I see where he's coming from. He's got to keep his mouth shut. He can't share that data. But anyway, that is frightening and very sad. And can you imagine? You know what, what happens is it's called greed. Now, what happens with greed is what's going to happen. And when I put this to him, we've watched what's gone on with the dog racing history and the dog racing, the events that go on across in some states, especially Florida is a big one. So the industry itself has suffered dramatically. And now Florida has banned dog racing. And it looks like a lot of the other states in which dog racing takes place, where the still is the industry, are banning that as well. So so now what's happening is that this, and I, I asked my friend, my, and I can't say his name, my classmate, but I asked him, what is this going to do to the horse racing industry in the United States? And he said, it is going to hurt it tremendously. You might still have some big races because, of course, the money. But when people take advantage of the animals and they try to do what they can get away with doing, that's where we have an issue. So it's sad, very sad. That's exactly what's, uh, what's gone on. It's a terrible thing. So let's talk some other things that, that, that I found on the, you know, usually, as I said on the show, I like to peruse the news. And that's the American Veterinary Medical Association Smart Brief. That is the American Animal Hospital Association News Stat. As you recall, last week, we had Dr. Heather Lenzer here from the AHA, from the American Animal Hospital Association. So we touched upon this, and now it's all over the news. In fact, my one of my calls this morning, I'm trying to describe a certain medication to this nice gentleman that I was on the phone with about his dog here on AirVet. And he goes, oh, he goes, oh I, I'm, I'm a physician. I know that. In fact, I use telemedicine in my practice. He goes, this is great. They're using it. And um, he is implementing it. He's a hospitalist with a private practice as well. He's an internal medicine specialist. And so he does it as a hospitalist. He's getting his hospital to sign on for the human side. So we're going to hear a lot, a lot about telemedicine. I mean, I think telemedicine is great in general. But now, because of COVID-19, we are seeing, hearing a lot more of it. So what they're now, veterinarians, as we talked about, are using it. And I'm using it this way curbside check in and check out. So basically, I have recommended to a lot of my colleagues that don't have telemedicine yet, that this is one of the ways to do it, because I do telemedicine all the time because of my app. But for them, this is a great way to do it. You pull up curbside, the doctor or nurse comes out, says hi, takes the pet from the car. So you never have to go into the hospital. That's safe for you and it's safe for the hospital. And when the animal is in the exam room with the doctor and the technician or nurse, then the contact is made on the telemedicine app, whichever one you use. And now you are basically a part of the exam and it works fantastically well. That's kind of how we like to see it. Now, another thing, speaking of coronavirus, because that seems to be, you know, taking over the news and for good cause that don't get any ideas. This is not just for you as pet parents. Don't go to a feed store. Don't buy a coronavirus vaccine for dogs and give it to yourself in thinking that it's going to help and protect you. It will not. And this is out there for hospital personnel and for you. 
It is totally ineffective against this version, which is really called the SARS-CoV-2, the coronavirus 2, that we know is COVID-19. That is the actual name of the virus and that's causing COVID-19. And uh, they are completely different. They are, of course, related in the, the sense they're both coronaviruses. But the one that causes canine coronavirus is is a distant, distant cousin to the SARS-CoV-2. So don't get any ideas. Don't think because you'll only probably can. Well, it, cer- it certainly won't help. And whether it hurts you or not, that's a different story. But uh, to stick another foreign object into your body is not such a good idea. Next up, now veterinary practices in Washington are now considered essential under the state stay-at-home rule. So though they may be cutting back on services, so this you really need to know. Um, it depends how difficult, how strict your state is going to be or is with you being out and about. And do you have permission to do so? Are they going to stop you? Now, we are pretty lax here, Cal- at least in Los Angeles County. And I think people are just doing what they want to do, what's smart. I know that most of my colleagues, veterinarians are uh, that are working, and most are, they are seeing limited cases. They are having people call first to decide whether this is something urgent or can it wait. They are recommending an, a, a telemedicine platform. Uh, hopefully it's AirVet, but maybe not. Uh, there are a number of good platforms out there. But the idea is they're trying to minimize the risk by having you, by not having you go in unnecessarily. So, but in some states, it was a shame that veterinary care was not considered essential. So those states that are very strict, it's very important to make sure pressure is put on legislatures that, that they will allow for veterinary care, especially urgent veterinary care. If it's necessary, what we're seeing a lot of is now the emergency facilities that if you ever had to take your pet to an emergency facility in the middle of the night, you know what it's like, much like a human emergency room. You're sitting there potentially for several hours. They don't get to you. As I know, and I'm sharing with you, 80% of those emergencies aren't. So you're going to go out there for nothing. You're going to wait, spend a lot of money and increase your exposure. So what they're doing now is the nurses are getting a brief history on the phone and telling them, you know what, before we decide whether you need to come in, do a telemedicine call. And we work with a very, very large hospital in New Jersey called Red Bank. And we are getting, I'm getting lots of calls from them. And guess what? Most of them do not need to go in. They will need to be seen by their vet, but not on an emergency. So we are lightening the load for the emergency facilities. We are making sure to send them cases that really need to be seen. It by decreasing the congestion, they will be seen faster. So it is certainly the uh, the best way to go. Now, oh, next, this is really a cool story. Again, again, it's so funny. All of these stories are relating to the COVID nineteen. A service dog named Win. This is at Rose Medical Center in Denver, Colorado. A yellow Labrador. So she has been getting a lot of on the job experience as a service dog because now she is on call to help not just the patients, but the exhausted staff who are working round the clock and um, they are dealing with the COVID-19. And so this dog, Win is coming in. You know, as any of us know, as pet lovers, pet parents, that there are very few ways to ease stress better than being cuddled by a dog or cat or whatever pet you may cuddle with. It just puts you at ease. It makes you feel so good. We know it lowers blood pressure. Um, it relieves anxiety and stress. So when this, yeah, and, and one of my many dogs is a big yellow lab, big dog, 75, 80 pounder, 
Uh, his name is Tommy. And uh, oh my God, he is such a cuddler. Sleeps in bed with us. I mean, literally, he's a big boy. And he cuddles up, lies alongside, loves to just have your arm wrapped around him. And it, uh, you know, there's it very, that's a great way to fall asleep. And who needs a heating blanket in the cold when you have a dog or a cat lying next to you? They provide all the warmth you need. So that's great. So back to the comment about um, whether or not veterinary medicine is considered a essential or not. Fortunately, most states are considering it an essential. So I would say that you will definitely be able to see a veterinarian. You're a veterinarian. They should be there. Hours will be limited. Appointments will be limited. Waiting in the, in the exam rooms, will in the waiting area will be very limited if allowed at all, but you can see. So this is both for your, in respect to your veterinarian and to their staff and to yourselves and to your families, be safe. If you're going to go and you're going to have to go in the hospital, keep your mask on, keep your gloves on, be careful what you touch, whom you touch. Hopefully the staffs, I know, as I said, my, the veterinarians that I talk to regularly are taking these measures. And so that's important. The pet parents that I talk to on our app, I ask them what's being done in your hospital. And these are the things being done. Curbside, being very, very careful, very cautious about uh, walking outside and, I mean, allowing you to come into the office and them going out. And a lot of it is done either telephonically or a lot of people tell me they just sit in the car and they're twiddling their thumbs. I tell them, since your doctor told you about the telemedicine platform, in this case, AirVet, then make sure to tell them you should say this utilizing the service is by allowing the contact made so the client can remain in the car while their pet is inside and yet they are actively involved in the entire process. So um, these are some great ideas. When we come back, well, first of all, we'd love to hear from you. I hope that a lot of this uh, COVID-19 should be on your minds. Absolutely. But there's got to be other things out there that you are concerned about. And I'm here to help you out. And when we come back, we're going to talk about something as simple as toenails. Why? Because if you wouldn't believe it, I've had three calls this week, three about broken toenails. And it was, it's just, I said, oh my God, yes, things happen in threes. I get that. But this is weird because it's not a common problem. So, and it is very preventable. So when we come back, we're going to talk about simple things like toenails, what to do, how to do, why to do. And uh, so don't go away. We'll be back after these short words. We have a 12-year-old German shepherd named Sophie. And she became overweight, stinky, greasy coat, and lifeless almost. Then about four years ago, we found out she had several vertebrae used together. She was unable to walk. The vet told us Sophie was going to have to be euthanized. I thought, I've got to do something. D-I-N-O-V-I-T-E dot com. I remember Sophie starting the Dynavite, and she from day one has loved it. She is no longer stinky. She is full of life. Dynavite healed Sophie. Dynavite is nutrition. I truly recommend that people not wait until the vet recommends euthanasia. You have to get them on Dynavite right away while they're healthy. Dynavite for life. You won't believe how happy your dog will be. I get my Dynavite from D-I-N-O-V-I-T-E dot com. Let's talk pets. Let's talk pets. On Pet Life Radio. Pet Life Radio. PetLifeRadio.com. Pet 
And welcome back. You're live with Dr. Jeff Werber here, your host on Ask the Vets with Dr. Jeff. And it, it, it is so bizarre that in one week, I've received three calls from my AirVet customers, pet parents on broken toenails. And I'm thinking, this is kind of strange. Now, true, people are spending more time with their dogs, hopefully, because they can't do anything else. And they're maybe going for walks and maybe doing a little runs. But remember, no public places. You want to keep those dogs safe as well, as we talked about the remote, remote possibility, highly improbable, but remote possibility that they could carry the virus from someone who has infected them, sneezed on them, coughed on them for a short while. And then if you, the owner, or they touch another dog, and then their owner, that dog's owner, goes to the dog and pets the dog or rubs up alongside the dog or the dog rubs upside you. And I mean, it's really remote, but it could happen. So broken toenails. So first of all, one thing that all three of these cases had in common, okay? All three, the nails were too long. Okay, keep that in mind. Two of them, it was the same nail. And I have a perfect example for that one. So what goes on here? First, so first of all, nails are too long. Maybe you can't get out. You're not going to the groomer. You're not going to the veterinarian. You need to learn certain basic grooming skills. One, ear cleaning. Two, brushing teeth. And three, trimming toenails. And I'm going to have a fourth one on there, but I don't blame you if you choose not to do it. I get it. I understand. And that is anal glands. I have tried to teach people how to do it. I have successfully taught people how to do it. And all it takes is one time, one time to get that anal secretion in or around your face and you will never do it again. It's happened to me more than once. I'm so embarrassed to say, but it happens. And uh, sometimes when you're squeezing those things out, they squeeze out wherever they want to go. So um, that's one that I don't blame if you don't want to do. It's pretty gross. You need gloves. It, it's just gross. However, at teeth, ears, and toenails, no excuse. So a lot of dogs have, or cats, well, not so much cats, black dog, I mean, dark dogs, and a lot of dogs can have black toenails. Those are a little bit more difficult. When they're all black and you have nothing to go by, there are some tricks that your vet can teach you as to about how short you can go. If one or a few of the nails are clear, now you at least have an idea. It's going to be the same anatomically for all the nails. So however much you can get away with clipping on the clear ones, about that's about how much you can clip on the other ones. Remember, better to take off less than too much. Because when you take off too much and you hit the quick, which is an urban blood supply, you're, the dog's going to hurt. He's not going to let you go near him again. And all the training and the careful stuff you've shown is blown. So you got to be really careful. Now, the two that had the exact same nail, it was the equivalent of the thumb. It's the first digit. Why is that one so often the one that gets bro that is broken? Because it's the one that hardly never gets worn down naturally on cement when dogs walk because it never touches the ground. So that's the one that we commonly will see. Most dogs' back legs don't have them. Certainly dogs, there are some breeds like the Pyrenean Mastiffs and the Great Pyrenees that not only have one, but double dew claws, hind dew claws. And that is a hallmark of the breed. You do not want to have those removed. But the others, if you have back legs, they're often removed. On the front legs, we used to remove them too, the equivalent of the thumb. And then that practice has changed when a veterinarian, I think it's from University of Florida, he was a veterinarian that worked with the racetracks and worked with the dogs. And he did slow-mo photography of these dogs and was so interesting 
that he shows that and when they hit the ground like this, all of a sudden they stretch so much, they hyperextend, and these thumbs actually stop the foot from rolling. And he found that these dogs that had their dew claws removed as puppies had suffered from more carpus wrist injuries than those that had them. So after seeing this and learning actually from one of my younger associates, you see, I love having young associates because they teach me so much, is that you, we leave them. So now we leave the dew claws. However, that's the good size. It'll help the wrist later on. They do use them, assuming they're attached. If they're the floppy kind that are not attached, you got to remove them. But these are the ones that are, we call jointed. Disjointed, take them off. Have your vet take them off. They usually do it when they're very young. But if they're jointed, leave them. However, because they never hit the ground, you have to get used to clipping the nails. These are very important to trim these nails. So work with your vet. Learn how to trim nails. It's really not that difficult. What I recommend, if you're getting a, a new dog, a young dog, a puppy, whatever, start messing with their ears. Start messing with their nails. Start putting your finger in and working their teeth. And every time you do it, you give them praise. Say, oh, my God, you're such a good boy. You're such a good girl. Because you want to get them used to the process. They don't need their teeth brushed when they're little before, especially before the teeth of uh, when they're still baby teeth. But you want to get them used to the process. Their ears should be clean, but you want to clean them out anyway. Stick a little finger in there, a little cotton ball. If you're going to do some Q-tip, you hold it like maybe on a young dog, a half an inch, a full grown dog, an inch from the tip. So your fingers stop it from going any deeper than this. Okay. And then just get them used to the process. They don't need them clean, but you want to get, and when you do it, you give them praise. Toenails, the same thing. Take a toenail clipper. You can get them at the pet store and just barely touch the tips just to trim them a little bit. Say, oh my God, you're so good. If they see that the process is positive, they are going to get a treat every time you start touching their feet and nails. And you're not going to hurt them because you're only trimming away a little bit. And then keep an eye on it, especially on the thumbs, the first digits. Those are the ones because what happens is when they're running through brush, they're running around. And those long nails, they start long, they curve, and then all of a sudden they click back and they just break. And they'll break right at the, at the nail bed. They need to be sliced, cut off completely. The blood uh, needs to be stopped with either a cauterizing stick or a styptic powder and then wrap them. And it, it's a painful for them. And if they break other nails, it's the same thing. You'll see a nail actually broken. And usually the treatment of choice is you need to cut farther back than the break. So it means if, if it, the nail broke and there's bleeding, you know you're in the quick already, you have to cut them even a little farther back than that. And oftentimes we just cut the whole thing off up to the skin, up to where it's coming out of the nail bed. And then the nail itself and the quick, which is like a, the nail is a sleeve over the nerve and blood supply, and then they grow out together. So you never have an exposed quick, which is very tender, very painful. So think about it. It's so easy to do. Also, one thing that we see in cats, just so you know, cats are often, because most of them are indoors, they use, they scratch their nails, they use a scratching post, they love it. But if you are not addressing their nails, what happens with a cat is more than a dog, the nail will grow and grow and grow. And then it starts, you know, it's got a curve to it. It keeps growing and curving and it grows into the pad. And literally that is painful. It gets infected. I've seen this happen in dogs as well, but we see it more in cats. Learn again how to trim your cat's nails. It's very important. Plus, if you're going to put like a nail cap on, like any kind of, you know, nail protector. So these also, they usually, you start them with you, you want to trim the nail first before you put like a soft paws. So you want to put those on 
to protect the nails, to protect your furniture, to protect your faces, to protect your kids, etc. So make sure that you, you want to trim those nails. So it's a good idea to learn how to trim nails in your cats and your dogs and your bunnies and your, your guinea pigs. Uh, I mean, a lot of these have rats. I've trimmed nails on all of them. When I had my little Russian dwarf, Lucy, or Lulu, because it was a boy. My, my grandkids called him Lucy. Him, Lucy. Yeah, all these animals could do have benefit from trimming. And so make sure if you have any questions, see your veterinarian. But you're going to wait on this one. You don't want to run in for nail, nail trim uh, during the COVID-19. But learn how to do it. If you have any questions, you can get a hold of me anytime. Either send me to a, a note here to Dr. Jeff at PetLifeRadio.com. Or you can reach me. Follow me on Instagram at Dr. Jeff Werber, on LinkedIn at Dr. Werber. Um, you could just, uh, you could find me pretty much anywhere on Facebook, Dr. Jeff Werber and Jeff Werber. And uh, as I said, here on Pet Life Radio. And of course, if you need help, download the AirVet. Put Jeff's telehospital as your primary, assuming your vet does not have a platform yet. And uh, in the meantime, I can take care of you. Would be happy to. And um, if not, but tell them, tell your veterinarians, if they're not using a telemedicine platform to look into them, they will only benefit. It's good for client. It's good for pet. It's good for them. And um, if they have any questions, you can also direct them to me. I'd love to chat with them about telemedicine. So that's all we have time for. Thanks for joining me here on Pet Life Radio. We will be here next week, same time here on Pet Life Radio. And please join us here on Zoom. It's so easy. We'd love to hear from you. We'd love to see you. We'd love to see your pet and do what we can to help you, especially now during these difficult COVID-19 times. See you next week. Let's Talk Pets, every week on demand, only on PetLifeRadio.com.